from iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case Roe v. Wade, starring Maya Hawke as 26-year-old lead attorney Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee William H. Macy as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. Listen to the podcast Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Secure our territory. Secure our turf. Because it's all our turf. Malik, Kenny, and the Bucks, listen. This that undisputed, yeah, we're here to shock the system. This a war zone going down on Wednesday nights. This a fight, this is NXT vs. Dynamite. Weekly battles, ratings shattered, this a revolution. This is changed to what the game is used to doing. This is all about that dark and light contrast. Welcome to the Fight for Wednesday Night Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Fight for Wednesday Night Podcast. I'm your host, Mike De Niro. I'm joined here by G-Rock. Become a Wednesday Night Warrior and subscribe to the podcast and leave us a five-star review. Also, follow us on Instagram, Fight for Wednesday Night. Welcome back, Wednesday Night Warrior. Thank you for joining us. We have a great episode in store for you today. We're going to be covering the North American number one contendership match with Dijakovic Priest, the Dusty Classic Finals, that crazy Champa and Cole contract signing. Mm-hmm. And on the AEW side, MJF's revenge on the Young Bucks slash the Elite, Britt Breaker's vicious promo, and the continuous feud of Mox and Jericho. There's a whole lot to talk about, it seems, this week. So, De Niro, I feel like this week, the wrestling gods smiled down upon us. We had a great week of wrestling, and it all started with the weekend first. Yeah. And I want to jump right into that because I think NXT had a very underrated weekend. We had Worlds Collide. Yeah, Worlds Collide was a phenomenal show. Yeah, it was It was a really good show. I mean, as me and you pointed out, it was just an exhibition, so it didn't really carry much of a story. But there was a lot of things on it that had meaning and merit because, one, you had a title change, and then you had matches that could be considered match of the year. And I'm talking about that main event. Exactly. Uh, one, right off the bat, I was extremely shocked that Devlin won the Cruiserweight. I mean, I was happy for him, but I was shocked. Yeah, that took me by surprise. He's definitely being rewarded for his hard work. Lately, he's been killing it. His match with Tyler Bate, everything leading to that match, everything after that match. And in this match, it seems like they finally gave him a, a reward for it. Like, hey, keep up the good work. Here's a bone, you know? Yeah, and I'm not mad at that at all. I mean, I, I like to see guys getting rewarded for, for hard work, but at the same time, they were building a, a star in Angel Garza. Uh, yeah, that's the only thing. It's like you're 
doing it at Garza's expense. Yeah, so. exactly. And I, I feel like that Cruiserweight title, ever since uh, probably Buddy Murphy and before that, Pac really held it you know, for a long time and gave it prestige. And now it's kind of bouncing around a little bit. So Yeah, and if you want to talk about Pac's... Uh reign as a champion you're going back like two years now so yeah yeah so we haven't really seen much of a, of a dominant uh, cruiserweight champion so that that was my only gripe with it but still nonetheless it was a phenomenal match uh i like this finn balor viciousness it carried over in uh with the uh, trent seven and yeah. it carried over into this week's nxt so that was awesome yeah we get the the royal rumble and we get a semi breakout star in uh, bianca belair yeah and besides that like Bianca Belair had a hell of a night at the Royal Rumble, but let's talk about the number of entrances that NXT actually had. There was quite a few, and quite a few shocking entrances. You had yeah. Mercedes Martinez, Shotzi Blackheart, you had Candice LeRae, yeah. you had Beth Phoenix, like, sorry, she's a legend, but she represents NXT now. Yeah. Yeah. You had Bianca Belair, you had Dakota Kai, Tegan Knox. There was a lot of NXT representatives in the Women's uh, Royal Rumble this year. Yeah, so I'm really glad that, that uh, WWE finally gave them a shine on a big pay-per-view, yeah, like the Royal Rumble. They deserve it. We say week in and week out that NXT has the best women's division in all of wrestling and maybe in any era of wrestling. So it's nice for them to get a shine on a big stage like that. Now, my only gripe with the Royal Rumble was it seemed like that was their only shine. Because in the men's Royal Rumble, you know, we got, you know, Keith Lee, we got Matt Riddle. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, these guys didn't make any type of splash. I don't even know how many entrants that they removed or... I'll tell you eliminations, this. I mean, I'll tell you me. this. When Brock Lesnar was in the ring alone and the countdown clock, three, two, one, uh, that silence, and I was like, Bask in his glory. That crowd went ballistic. I was like, here we go. Yeah. Lee's going to take him out. This is before we knew McIntyre was even in it. We thought Lee, well, I thought Lee was going to become a megastar, take out Brock, or at least hit the spirit bomb, do something to look dominant. And it literally led to a stare down, a shove match, I, I, and. Brock Lesnar took him out. I don't mean to cut you off the door, but I did feel like at least they gave some acknowledgement by that stare down. Yeah. So it was like he like Brock acknowledged that what what Keith Lee's past was and and his rise uh, and that he's a that he's a budding star. In a way, because they also put the camera right on Brock when he said, "Who the fuck is this guy?" Yeah, like that. That kind of really. Yeah, I know he's he playing the character. That, he said that, but, that but really, his actions spoke on something else. Yeah. To me, it was like, yeah, he said that, but still. Because he when, stepped toe to toe with him, eye to eye, and Keith Lee had a shoulder bump and knocked him down, which was cool. But the thing is, when Brock said that, I was like, "That's so disrespectful!" Like this guy is like making airwaves, but whatever. yeah. Still, nonetheless, I just feel like they didn't get enough attention, and that kind of leads me to a, a topic I've mentioned on the on the previous podcast, where I just feel like WWE mentioned NXT as being the third brand, but only by name. They haven't put much into it. I, I still feel like. There's still that barrier, that wall, that seclusion between them and Raw and SmackDown. And I really think it's unfair. Uh, You know, when we talk about the winner for the Royal Rumble choosing which title to face, they never mention NXT. Yeah, Adam Cole was not in Drew McIntyre's scope. Yeah, and right there, it's just a disrespect. It just shows that that title is not looked upon as prestigious as the Universal and and the the heavyweight title. I, I agree, but really, how prestigious is either of those titles anyway nowadays? I understand. But, it's, just, yeah. it's just a show. No, I totally it. understand, and I think that NXT needs more acknowledgement by the main roster. But you know what? People who's 
If you know, you know, okay? If you know NXT, you know it's the best show any freaking way. So for the fans watching it, they don't really need the acknowledgement. NXT's been killing it, which leads us to this week. Yeah. Another phenomenal, phenomenal showing. Yeah, I mean, jumping right into it. So we get the Dijakovic versus uh, Priest for the normal contendership. But prior to that, we get Keith Lee coming out for a promo, mm-hmm. getting it, uh, getting uh, interrupted with uh, Damian Priest, challenging him for the North American title. Then we get Dijakovic coming out. Trying to prove his worth for the 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 championship as well. Yeah, and both have a strong case. Yes, they they both do. But one thing I, I wanted to pull from this was I loved Dijakovic's edginess in his promo. Yeah, and I believe he called Damian Priest a, a fake Marilyn Manson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. bootleg and or something like that. Some, some a bootleg Marilyn Manson, Discount. something along those yeah. lines. And he said it with conviction. And that's something that we mentioned in uh, I think two podcasts ago. Yeah, I, I swear they're listening. Yeah, they're listening. It's just too funny. It's just yeah. way too funny because I mentioned specifically about how he didn't have edge or conviction mm-hmm. in his promos. And yeah. we got that in this one. Definitely. These guys had great chemistry in the ring also. And NXT, once again, proving that they have great big men. So I don't want to hear the case, oh, it's just a bunch of midgets running around and flying around. No. NXT has great big men. Dijakovic yeah. and Priest were a clear example of that. Yeah, and I'm so glad you mentioned that because with this match... It just felt a little bit different than the others because of their size. You know, yeah. it really is like a clash of the titans. These guys are, are what is it? I think Dijakovic is like 6'8 or something like that. No, no, no. I think he's like 6'11. He's, yeah, he's, he's like really ridiculous. Yeah, and yeah. I know Damian Priest is, is not yeah, that far there. from yeah, it. Yeah, he's probably like 6'9, six, 6'10. Six, and this was a really good match. And it was, I think, something that you mentioned while we were watching it is that they were big men and they were fighting like big men. And that, that, was, that was pretty cool. Yeah, it was one of those classic. Clash of the Titans type match. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I love that moment where I dubbed it as the Step Brothers moment, where it's a double knockout oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. with the. Uh, he I, I he believe... did like a tornado kick, and then, uh, well, Dajakovic does his like turning into like a tornado kick or a discus kick. Yeah, discus and kick. I think it is. Then you had a tornado kick from uh, Priest, which was really cool, and the timing on that was perfect. Yeah, yeah. Was... That's one thing I pointed out was the timing was impeccable. Yeah, there was no sloppiness in this match, and we we have seen sloppiness in the past from these two. Um, the outcome I was a little surprised about because I think we've seen enough. Even though every time Dajakovic and Keith Lee get in the match together, they tear it down. I think that it would have been nice to see a fresh matchup for Keith Lee, a one-on-one matchup with Priest, that rather than a match that we've seen three times already with. Dijakovic and Keith Lee. But nonetheless, I'm excited to actually see a belt on the line when these two go against Yeah, each other. that was that was the only thing for me. Uh we had the trilogy with Keith Lee and, and Dijakovic, and that was phenomenal. That was phenomenal. But I would have liked to see Damian Priest go over. Um I'm I'm assuming Dijakovic's not gonna yeah. win. So I thought this was like the first victory over for for Keith Lee, yeah. and I thought it'd be good to go against Damian Priest, a fresh matchup. Unless they have something bigger for Priest, maybe they don't want to like have him lose so quickly. But I do know as soon as Priest came out to interrupt him, I was like, "Wow, this is going to be cool because it's a fresh matchup." And then we kind of like had the rug yeah. pull from under us, and I'm like, ah, "But whatever, I'm still excited about this." Something else I'm very excited about also was that Dusty Classic Finals. Yes. What a freaking match! Yes, yes. Now. Right off the bat, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say something. I don't know if many people agree with me or not, but I felt I like... I disagree. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I was expecting that. Um, right off the bat, I, I uh, during this match, I noticed that there wasn't the best of chemistry mm-hmm. with the grizzled young vets and with the uh, broserweights, and I could understand that a little bit. You know, they don't face off against each other. At least Matt Riddle doesn't face these guys. 
I know uh, Pete Dunne has history with them in the UK. So there was a little bit of, of chemistry uh, misfortunes, I, I, I would say. But still, nonetheless, it ended up being a great match. Yeah, it main event to this week's episode. My opinion, the match of the week for both shows. And even with the sloppiness, it was that... Yeah, and a special I, type I, of sloppiness. I don't want to control. I don't want to, I don't want to say it was sloppiness. Well, no, no, just, it was kind of... There, there was, was some miscommunication. Miscommunication, but the thing is... I do think that it was, like I mentioned in past episodes with past matches, it was that type of miscommunications that made it look a little bit more gritty and more like a fight, which I like that. I like the suspension of disbelief, like these guys are actually fighting and not the, these guys are putting on a choreographed match. So I did like to see that. Well, I know one thing that I've mentioned is how much I love this this cross-promoting with uh, the NXT UK, just and, because of yeah. we getting to see new stars, but we're also getting a whole different style as well. Yeah, they are really big with their strong style and and their chain wrestling, and I think we got to see that in uh, in this Dusty Classic, um, specifically with the Grizzly Young Vets, we got to see their strong style. Oh yeah, they they definitely. I, I keep on saying Zach Gibson reminds me a lot of uh, Nigel McGuinness, who was known for his strong style to the point that he's probably not wrestling anymore because of his strong style. Yeah, with yeah him and Brian Danielson. Um, and I was. Surprised by uh, James Drake because, to be honest, I didn't know much about uh, James Drake. I didn't know more about Zach Gibson. And I think in this match, he really shined also. So it was nice to see that. I do hope that they continue to have them showcased on NXT. And it does look like we're going to have more cross-promotion as we go forward, being that Devlin is now the Cruiserweight Champion and is appearing next week on NXT. So I hope we see more of this team. Yeah, yeah. I I completely agree. I I think moving forward, we are going to see more of the integration. And obviously, like you mentioned, Devlin... um, Protesters and supporters alike are lined up outside the United States Supreme Court this afternoon as a decision in the most hotly debated case in years is set to be delivered. From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Sir, I graduated the top quarter of my class. We, we just, just don't have a spot for you. Starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney Sarah Weddington for challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee William H. Macy as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. My chief qualification being I'm uncontroversial. You know how we both ended up on the Supreme Court? Politics. Damn right. This may be the longest of shots, but it's also the last chance for a lot of women. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. I'm trying to get you to stand for something, man. Now go to it. Listen to Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. The only thing is, I'm just wondering, like, how far are they going to go with this, though? Are we going to see it on a consistent basis of guys coming over randomly for, for matches? Uh, is this going to be it? Is it just maybe Devlin that's coming over? Is I, it mean, gonna, I mean, what? I don't know. I don't if it is consistent and they continue to have guys come over. My attitude towards it is why not? 
It's still under the NXT umbrella. It's not like Raw guys are constantly on NXT. So NXT UK guys coming. And then I would also like to see the... I would also like to see them... What am I trying to say? Like, spread the wealth to the UK also. Like, have NXT guys go to the UK NXT and have their matches there too. So it's just fair because I don't think it's fair that we get all the UK stars over here and then UK in return has nobody. But... Yeah, I just would like to see it more fair, but if they're going to be here, it's always a pleasant treat to see these matches. Yeah, I think it's really funny because WWE has a way of always treating one show like the ugly stepchild. That's the UK. And that's the UK for, yeah. for this standpoint with NXT and then NXT UK. And it's funny because NXT UK gets treated the like same wankers. way. <laughs> like what? Like wankers. <laughs> okay, we can go with that. But I was going to say that Whoa. NXT gets uh, NXT UK gets treated the same way NXT does when it comes to the Raw and SmackDown brands. Yeah, definitely. So it's kind of like a pecking order here. Even, even though, yeah, definitely. it's I definitely see what you're saying. The, the one thing I wanted to, I did want to say is that I do know the vision for NXT was to be a global brand. And I do know that they, uh, as far as I hear, they still have plans of expanding yeah. globally. So I'm a little bit intrigued if and when, at, at what point that they do that. I think we're seeing now with the UK and the NXT in America... That we're seeing more fluid fluidity of uh, guys crossing over, yeah. and I think if they do make it a global brand, that's going to be very interesting. If if say they have an NXT Japan or an NXT uh, India, India, yeah, or Mexico, yeah, yeah, you know, and and you you have a bunch of the great stars from from these areas all kind of competing together in this like super indie. So I mean, I think the idea is phenomenal. How realistic, I don't know, but I think we're 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 getting just a small taste of that with the NXT UK, and the NXT America. Yeah, I totally agree. And I do think that NXT has the capability capabilities, sorry guys, of actually expanding to other nations, which would be awesome. But I do think it is a little weird if you're going to expand. I think you're going to have to kind of like take the guys who are actually in NXT who are from that nation and put them there to become the stars there. So you could like build with them. For example, if they go NXT Japan, like... Kushida, all these guys should not be... Akira Tozawa, they shouldn't be in NXT. They should be in NXT Japan trying to build that brand. Just yeah. like, I am I love Pete Dunne, I love the Broserweights. I'm not too sure Pete Dunne should be in NXT right now when I feel like NXT UK could use that star power over there. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you, but I do understand the mentality with a lot of these UK stars. Obviously, the wrestling scene is not as big as it is in America, and you want to be able to get your name across in the States. So... For these guys, I'm assuming that they don't look at it as such a negative, but more as yeah. a positive, that they're looking at it as a way for them to get their name out there and to make new fans. So I get why they do most of these matches here in the United States, but like you said, just in brand equality, I do believe that it should be equal on both sides. That you know, Some of these guys from NXT America goes over to the UK and vice versa the way it is. So yeah. Speaking of uh, positives that comes out of this, I think that's a big positive that we're going to see more of the Broserweights because they won the whole damn thing. Yeah, I'm super excited about that. I mean, one, I love the Broserweights. I've been saying it on every podcast since they formed. And I'm excited that they're getting a a title shot at the uh, Undisputed uh, Era. That's going to be a great match. I'm telling you this right now. The Broserweights are dope. Just don't tell Matt Riddle that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'm really a big fan of this team and I, I, I want to see more of them. And I have a feeling, I just, I'm just having a feeling 
that they are going to win. I think we're finally going to see the stripping of Undisputed Era and all their titles. I think it started with Roddy, and I think we're going to see uh, Bobby Fish and O'Reilly lose their titles to the Broserweights, and I think we're going to see Ciampa take home Goldie. Let, let's with, talk about that. With that, I want to bring up the bright spot of this show. I mean, this was such a great segment. This was so organically done. Mm -hmm. This was probably the best contract signing from the WWE brand that I've ever seen. I, I totally agree. I love the way that this was shot. You see them all taken out in the back. Then you just see, uh, I guess, a disheveled yeah. Champa ripped shirt. Slowly walking with a pipe. It looked like a horror film. It was awesome. The crowd's chanting Psycho Killer in the back. Yeah, yeah. He comes out, brings out a table. It's just... Yo, Ciampa is phenomenal. That's why I said last year he was my wrestler of the year. I think he's only going up from here. He is phenomenal. The way he sold himself in this was like, yeah, I will destroy everybody that gets in my way in getting that title. And he proved it here. We didn't, we didn't even see the Undisputed Era get attacked. But the way he like just walked away from it with the thing, with the pipe, it just seemed like, yo, he just brutalized them. It was so well done. I loved it. That's why I said there was... I had no complaints whatsoever. No complaints for this segment whatsoever. This was just phenomenal. And like I said before, it was just so organic because there was no promoting of a contract signing. Yeah. And that's what I, I really dislike with the WWE brand because we get that on Raw and SmackDown. You know, and we've had that. To, yeah. We've had that for years where you, you build this up, build this up, build this up. And at this point, like, do you think we're all stupid? You think it's just going to be a sit down and two gentlemen signing a contract to face each other? See, that would be the swerve if that. Happens. You know, honestly, yeah. if that, if 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 at one point they do a contract signing that they advertise and that's what happens. You're yeah. damn right. That's a huge swerve. Yeah. Because it's always the build-up anticipation. We know that something's going to happen. Yeah. But with this, we had no idea. I Yeah, I totally agree. I love the fact that Ciampa's attitude towards this was... Because he didn't know William Regal was going to make the announcement. That Yeah, and I, excuse me, I don't mean to cut you off, Daniel, but I was going to point that out that I love that. Yeah. I love that they gave an excuse for Cole to be away from the Undisputed yeah. Era. And the fact that he was in the office with William Regal... Speaking of, you know, the title match and how he didn't care who he was going to face. Yeah. And William Regal coming out and the facial expressions, like, it looked organic as well. Yeah, it looked I, legit. I, I love the fact that the story being told here was, we all know I'm the number one contender. I've been calling you out. We all know that I've earned this shot by destroying you at War Games. I'm just sick of waiting. Like, if you're not going to make an announcement that it's official... I'll make the announcement that it's official. And that's basically what Ciampa did. We're signing the contract right now. And the visuals were like, so Cole and Ciampa gets into a, like, a battle here and they start fighting. And then I guess somewhere along the lines, I think Ciampa when, gets cut. When he got hit with the uh, the mic. Yeah. When Adam Cole struck, struck I, him with the mic. I love the improv of this because when he's about to sign the contract, the crowd decide, they chant, sign with your blood. And he does. If this was the main roster, you'd probably get fined for doing something that's out of the script, where Ciampa does that, and it created such a visual. Him dripping blood on the belt, him putting his own blood on the contract. I, I, wanted, to, I wanted to mention that, that that was a moment where it made him look like a, a real professional. Yeah. Because, like you mentioned, I don't believe that this was scripted for him to... Protesters and supporters alike are lined up outside the United States Supreme Court this afternoon as a decision in the most hotly debated case in years is set to be delivered. 
From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Sir, I graduated the top quarter of my class. We, we just, just don't, don't have a spot for you. Starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney, Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee, William H. Macy. As Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. My chief qualification being, I'm uncontroversial. You know how we both ended up on the Supreme Court? Politics? Damn right. This may be the longest of shots, but it's also the last chance for a lot of women. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. I'm trying to get you to stand for something, man. Now go to it. Listen to Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. To get busted on on top of his head. He didn't bleed. Exactly. Obviously not. But knowing what happened and knowing that he's cut open, he decided to run with it. And he Mm -hmm. was professional enough to know, like, how can I really push this? And so he's just staring back at Goldie and the blood is dripping. I mean, and there was a lot of blood. Yeah. That belt ended up being red and gold at the end of it. And I just thought that was just brilliant by him. Brilliant. And yes, he listened to the crowd and, and he wipes his, his, his hand with his blood and, and wipes it on, on the contract. That was fucking phenomenal. It and was. that's something that you're definitely going to see in a video package leading oh, yeah. up to the oh, match. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that was absolutely phenomenal. NXT altogether was a very phenomenal show. I loved it. So did I. Also, if you put on TNT, instead of watching on USA, you also had another phenomenal show because AEW had a really great show. Something I really like, something that stood out in the show was the fact that they are listening in the point that they want. We wanted something that connects storylines instead of just saying it and then going to YouTube. I think that we got that here with MJF's uh, vignette where he goes to, it looked like a meat. I, uh, yeah, like a meat freezer, and he sees Allie there. He gives a envelope, I'm guessing, with money in it. The other side says the Young Bucks, and then the Butcher and the Blade are there. It was very cinematic, very Lucha Underground-like, but it worked so perfectly, and it tied all the knots showing that MJF are, is using the Butcher and the Blade and Bunny as his hired mercenaries. Exactly, exactly. And my sentiments, exactly. I love this. Uh, I feel like for... for weeks and many times on the podcast we've mentioned how it would just take just a, a simple vignette to tie everything together and I think we got that with this it was probably about 15 seconds at best and and we got the whole story right there exactly like it's so simple but very very important you very need effective. you need to have things that tie storylines together so the people who are watching at home don't feel like this is confusing to me. And you didn't just tie that storyline in by having him say, hey, I paid Butcher into play. Now they're going to take out the Young Bucks. No, you showed it, which is always better to show, not tell. And yeah. the way they showed it made the Butcher into Blade a lot more it added to their character, showing them in like the meat freezer and in like whatever. They were like pounding meat or yeah. um, 
whatever. Tenderizing, that's the word I'm... Tenderizing me, and then it was really cool. You see uh, the blade looking at the money on the envelope and the name on the envelope, and all of a sudden, the camera goes back to them, and he's in full gear, mask on. It was awesome, which also led into the match with the Butcher and the Blade versus the Young Bucks, which was a very good match. A different type of match for the Young Bucks, because I felt like they had to wrestle a different style dealing with a guy like the Butcher. They don't don't normally go against a bigger guy like that. Yeah, I I completely agree. The styles were different, and I enjoyed it more because of that. Uh, We tend to see, you know, the the, the Young Book matches with these big spots. Yeah. Uh, You know, they always get make sure they get their spots in, they get their melter driver in. So, you know, we still got that, but still nonetheless, the match itself was not the usual as we're used to seeing. And uh, one thing I I wanted to point out was I like the story and the contingency that MJF was humiliated by the Young Bucks in the previous episode um, on the uh, Rock and Rager. And so this was him getting his revenge. Yeah. And I know in multiple times in the past, we've mentioned how things will happen. There'll be like these sub feuds and then they'll get back to it about two, three weeks later. Like for instance, the, the Young Bucks later on in the night are uh, interviewed and they're there with Omega and, and Hangman. And I believe it was, I want to say it was Matt Jackson. It doesn't really matter. But I know they mentioned the Dark Order and how they were jumped by the Dark Order. Mm-hmm. And that happened how many weeks ago? Yeah. How many fucking weeks ago? And you're mentioning it now? Yeah. Like, I don't understand this. And I said the same thing on the, the previous episode with Omega speaking about Pac when he just won the titles. So, like, this doesn't make sense to me. It, it's it, It's kind of like... We're writing a story, and it's just like, oh, hey, remember that time? Yeah, remember that happened? We got to bring this up again. We got to tie this back in. That was that was just a little bit weird where the contingency wasn't there. But with this segment in particular, it was with MJF and the Young Bucks. Yeah. By the way, I think the word that you're looking for is continuity, not contingency. Yes. Yeah, yeah <laughs> contingency is like if you have a plan. A contingency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I, you know, I'm so fucking excited that I'm getting my words all jumbled up. That's all good. It's- that's coming from the person who barely could get a thought out before he goes on to the next thing. But yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, be that as it may, I really did like this match. I liked the whole segment before the match. And I liked the segment after the match. Having the uh, Butcher and Blade and then I believe MJF. First of all, let me just say MJF on commentary was phenomenal. Yeah, he's gold. He's yeah. gold on commentary. And I want to I want to give him credit because he really is just coming off the top with his insults. Oh, yeah. And his comments. Yeah. I mean, because, like, Excalibur is saying one thing to him, and he's responding right back with an insult, and it just comes so fluid with yeah, him. Yeah, it's second nature. You would really think he's a douchebag. Like, he really is this character at this point. Yeah, you're a douchebag, bro. But <laughs> hey, anyway, so what I want to say was afterwards, the Young Bucks start getting beat down, Kenny Omega comes out to help, he starts getting beat down, and then you had Hangman just <laughs> just walking down. Walking down with, with a beer. Whiskey. No, he had a beer. He he said, hold my beer, bro. Oh, yeah, that's then right. Then he does it's the beer, buckshot yeah. lariat and then takes the beer back and walks out. It was a phenomenal segment. So I'll say this. I thought that was a, a phenomenal segment as well. I loved that. I loved this character of Hangman and him just strolling down and just yeah. one move and I'm out. But the only thing that bothered me was that why isn't Cody coming out to help them? This is this is directly yeah, he, he involved. Had to, he had to get ready for Kip Sabian. Now, here's the deal. Super bad. That, that, that's going to take all your energy. You know, all your energy, and you need Arn Anderson as as your, your your playmaker. Like, here's the deal. Like, I just felt like Cody should have been more involved. 
because this is a direct feud. Now he can't. The, the he can't put, helped him. He can't put his hands on MJF. I understand, but this is the butcher and the blade. You could put your hands on them. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I, I it's very know. one-sided to me. It's know. very one-sided. I think it was just a way to set up next week's eight-man tag match instead of setting up or continuing to build Cody and MJF. I honestly think that they don't think about these things when they write the show. It's very logical. Like hindsight's twenty twenty. We're playing armchair quarterback here, but it's like <laughs> armchair quarterback. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like I don't know. But anyway, yeah, MJF on the mic was brilliant. Someone else who was brilliant on the mic, Britt Brit Baker. Britt Baker. Baker. Oh my god! And that vicious promo, man. Yeah, can I just tell you what this reminds me of, real quick? Go for it. All right, Leo Rush versus Angel Garza mm. had a match. I we see crapped it. all over it. Then they had another match like a week later, and we were like, this was phenomenal. So last week, Britt Baker had a promo, and we were like, oh, we don't know if she's ready for this yet. Oh, it was it just didn't come off natural. This doesn't seem like her. All the pauses, the crowd was into it, blah, blah, blah. Everything that last week's promo wasn't, this promo was. Now, don't get me wrong. I still think that she needs more work on this heel persona. I do too. I don't think that she's naturally a heel. I I don't know if ever in her career she was a heel before or needed to be a heel. But it seems like right now for that women's division, they need. Protesters and supporters alike are lined up outside the United States Supreme Court this afternoon as a decision in the most hotly debated case in years is set to be delivered. From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Sir, I graduated the top quarter of my class. We, we just, just don't have a spot for you. Starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney, Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee, William H. Macy, as Supreme Court Justice, Harry Blackman. My chief qualification being... I'm uncontroversial. You know how we both ended up on the Supreme Court? Politics. Damn right. This may be the longest of shots, but it's also the last chance for a lot of women. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. I'm trying to get you to stand for something, man. Now go to it. Listen to Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. A strong heel. And she's perfect for it because her occupation. She's a dentist. Yeah. Nobody I mean, likes going to the dentist. Yeah, we have many reasons. She, we have many My reasons. dentist is a heel. <laughs> I think every dentist is naturally a heel. Yeah. But I think that this division needs something, right? And you need that heel to kind of push things, right? Yeah. We can't just have, oh, you know, she's a good wrestler, she's a good wrestler, she's okay, she's the champion. It's just very confusing. There's just, there's no real identity with this division. And I think making Britt Baker the heel is a great way to start. Yeah. And I think, you know, her being kind of the poster child for 
months and without really much of a merit. I mean, she didn't win the title. She didn't have, you know, yeah. huge wins to be pushed like this way. I mean, and it's really just because of her face and the fact that, you know, she is a dentist. And she's Adam Cole's girlfriend and Adam Cole and the books are really close, but I don't want to go down I wasn't going to go into I, that. I, I just really think that she she's a really good wrestler. She has a lot to learn, but I don't think that she had a good sense of direction character-wise. And I think that since the internet has kind of been getting on her about her matches being a little sloppy or her not being ready, instead of doing the Roman Reigns and shoving it down our throats regardless... Mm. You actually have her go against the fans now because it's like, screw you guys. Do you know who I am? I'm a dentist, blah, blah, blah. You can't do what I do, which is really cool. And I also like her pointing out the fact that she she's pointing out facts. That's that's what it is. Well, I don't mean to cut you off there, Daniel, but I just wanted to mention that I agree with you. I just wish that she would have put that more in the promo. I wish it would have been more against the fans instead of uh, mostly on Shivani and JR. Don't get me wrong. I loved it. But it would have been nicer to see her more against the fans. Because I loved it when she rubbed it in their face and says, uh, I'm the first baker uh, you could be proud of. Or, or, yeah, or yeah. something something like that. Uh, making a, a, a cheap shot at, at Baker Mayfield. They were in Cleveland, Ohio. Mm-hmm. The Cleveland Browns quarterback is Baker Mayfield. So that was awesome. But I would just like to see the, the promo more directed towards the fans or... Just... Yeah, but that that's also so typical. I, I like that she actually went against a commentator who's been critical of her. Because you don't, you don't really see that. You, you have on TV all the time a commentator kind of bash the wrestler, but you never hear the wrestler respond to the commentator. No, no, like, I, I completely, I completely agree. And, and I, I like that angle, but it this, at first, it sort of felt like they were trying to make up for the first attempt. And the first attempt was on that Rockin' Rager, and we covered that, and we talked about how... It really didn't come out as anybody would expect it to. Mm-hmm. The wind was blowing. It was hard for her to get her words out. The fans were cursing, so they were bleeping things. And she just wrestled the match. It's hard to like keep all those bullet points. Exactly. Exactly. And then uh, Jr. ends up cutting her off because they have to go to commercial. So mm-hmm. it was just really bad. And I understand that AEW sort of acknowledged these things, like they did with uh, with uh, Christopher Daniels and the botch. They yeah. ran the story with that, which is cool. I, I always believe in making a negative into a positive. So I felt like this was their way of redeeming themselves with this. And I love the fact of, like you said, that she was hitting some points. I will say she was vicious to JR, but she wasn't wrong. She was factual. And that's, that's what makes a good heel. When you say things or when you do things that are justifiable in the heel's mind. So a good villain thinks he's the hero. You know what I mean? Yes, yes. And in this promo, like, Britt Baker doesn't, she's not lying. So in her head, it's like, hey, I'm telling the truth. But to everyone who's watching, it's like, damn, you didn't have to go that far. That's a legend. Yeah. It's like, it, it was just really, really good. And I really like the fact that JR seemed very bothered by it. It looked like it struck a nerve. I know. I, yeah. I, I think I mentioned, I said that, I wonder if he's actually butthurt about this yeah. because like I said, what she was saying wasn't wrong. And probably talked to her backstage. Oh, I, you don't, I, you don't talk to me like that. I'm a legend. I don't God, know. I mean, like I love, I love JR. You know, I, I grew up, we both grew up listening to JR and, yeah. and Monday night raw and good old JR, you know, but it does seem like ever since coming over to AEW. I think there's a more relaxed vibe in AEW. He's also at a point where he's established himself as a legend. And it really does seem like he is just coming in to collect the check. Mm-hmm. He seems off. Uh, he, he doesn't have the names of the, of the maneuvers. 
He doesn't have the, the names of the wrestlers. Yeah. And then he treats people like, well, he treats some of the gimmicks like he's above it. Yeah, and, yeah, he puts dude, down the product because he's he doesn't like it or it's not his style. And one thing that he put down more than anything was the women's division. So I like that it's a whim, uh, female actually say I said a woman. Uh, no, I, I meant to, I meant to say a woman. I I said a woman or whatever. So let I like go, that. Let it go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that it was a female who said something because I do remember I believe it was week two, three, whatever, where there was a uh, women's division match and Jared said after it. Stay with us, guys. It'll get better from here. Yes. And it was like... Yes. Because the match was... I think it was actually Baker versus uh, Rio, where it was a little botchy, a little... Yes, yeah. We and, covered that. We definitely pointed that out. And he said, guys, don't give up. Like, you don't say that. Exactly. I mean, we Dude. all know. We, we we know when things are not going so well. If Vince was in his ear, that would have never been set. Maybe he needs that producer. I, you know what? I was going to get to that. Uh, I was, I was going to say that maybe he does need somebody to keep him on track because... He's, you know, he is a little opinionated. And, you know, I mean, I know older people. It just oh, so happens that older people oh, get man. a little bit more opinionated. JR. <laughs> and I just think that he just needs to be more in line in helping AEW and creating value. And I think you do that by covering up when things are not going as planned or things are looking a little rough. I, I know there was yeah. times where Excalibur will cover Excalibur it up. does that all the time. He does it, and he does a great job at that. I know in the past we've, you know, kind of given him some shit. Yeah. But this time, he, he was looking good. Uh, well, he was sounding good, more like it. Not looking good. He was sounding good. Um, with covering up misfortunes in matches. Yeah. Just a side note, why is it that JR has all these like classic sayings, government mule, slobber knocker, and then when I finally give a JR impersonation, I'm just making sounds like... <laughs> yeah, I don't know what... I, I, was, I was trying to ignore that. You were throwing me off. <laughs> you should hear him on his podcast. It's a lot <laughs> but anyway, you know, I mean that. And plus he sounds it, like a race car. Well, that and and you know what? She was also wasn't wrong about no, yeah. the 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 barbecue promoting. Like it seems like yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. he's there for. And come on, yo, like why are you promoting your podcast? Like, dude, yes. this is not about you. It's and, not the Jr. show. And yo, once again, I love Jr. I love good old Jr. But yes. it, it seems like he needs o- he needs to get back to good old Jr. That's what he because needs right to do. now, good old Jr. is sounding like old Jr. is good. He sounds like butthurt Jr. Yeah, but did you see what I did there? But anyway, anyway, let's talk about something that is good. Jonathan Good. <laughs> <laughs> Mark. You, Mark. <laughs> all right, let's Mark talk about... No, sorry. All right. Oh, stop sorry, it. Stop right, right there. So, <laughs> not yet. Let's, let's talk about Moxley. Moxley started out the show with a promo. Which was very different. Yeah. Very different for them. They, they only did that a handful of times, maybe like once or twice. Yeah. And... Moxley always brings the heat on the mic. He always sounds very intense. Always throws in a bit of comedy, but the right amount. Moxley is a pro at this. And I think Jericho coming out, that back and forth was really, really good. It led to a big brawl at the end. Well, I, wait, I don't want to I don't, I don't wanna, I don't cut you off, but I just want to mention how I love the part where they bring in Santana and Ortiz's thugs from Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. It just seemed different. And it just seemed like you never know what the hell is going to happen. It, it was funny. It just seemed a little weird how you counter Moxley saying me and all these thousands of Ohioans by saying, oh, I brought some thugs and now it's 10. But you're still outnumbered by a thousand. But 
Imagine the crowd actually did anyway. <laughs> the guardrails. Anyway, but yeah, it was different, and I love that Jericho is playing like this, like leader to like this street gang because it's just like totally out of the ordinary and out of his character. Yeah. But he does it so well, and that's what is like very funny about it. And it was different. I love the ending brawl towards the end. Oh, the end of the show when after the inner circle match with Private Party and Darby Allen, when they continued the attack on them after they won. Moxie comes out, lays waste to the inner circle. I really love that they're keeping this fresh and made me put, like, I kind of put my foot in my mouth when I said that, oh, yeah, they're blowing this off too fast. But the way they stretched this. I told you, I told you, I told you. I said, we can't always jump so quickly. Just because we see them on the same screen and we're like, oh, my God, you know, this is too soon. They have a way of of dragging it out. Now sometimes yeah. it, it works and sometimes it doesn't work. It doesn't, out. but they've kept this, this right fresh. here. It, it's been working. And one thing I wanted to point out was I think I mentioned it on the previous podcast, or I don't know. I've mentioned it before about how on I'm, a previous podcast, a previous podcast. Very good. I love how a show will end with a, a massive brawl. I think there's just so much excitement with that. And for it's a me, cliffhanger. Yeah, yeah, it's a cliffhanger for me personally. I get really excited for that next episode. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting because they started out the show with a brawl. You know, it was like, what, like five minutes within the show and they Mm -hmm. already have this like massive brawl. And then ended it with a brawl. Like, yeah, so we had a brawl sandwich for our show. Sounds like they're listening. Yeah. (laughs) Or maybe it sounds like we know what we're talking about. TK, hire me. But you know what? I I did want to point out that something that was underrated was the building of Darby Allin and his stardom. Obviously, in that match... Darby Allen was was chanted a lot. Yeah, I don't even think they're building a star anymore. I think he is a star. He, he is a star, he's but a, I, I think they're there. just they're pushing it a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and they were giving him the Cody treatment, basically. Basically, meaning by that is they were gonna give him the sympathy factor from the crowd. Another great way of of building a face. Mm-hmm. Um, because they were just in there, just completely fucking him up, hitting him with the the skateboard, even yep. crushing his throat with the skateboard. Uh, I think they hit him with a a, a bat or a, uh, I think it was a uh, axe handle axe handle thing. Yeah, it, it was just it was crazy, but you could just see the crowd's reaction and their face, and, and everybody's chanting for Darby. And I just thought it was it was a really big moment for him. Uh, again, it's the main event he's involved in, and I thought it was a really great rub of Jericho, the inner circle. Yeah. To Darby, it's once again. Even though Jericho fought Darby and made him a star, yes, it's also well. He didn't make no one a star. Darby made himself a star. It's Jericho once again taking one of these young guys under his wing and making him like a household name. When Darby's music hits, that crowd pops. We got kids and children going crazy, and we have people painting their face like Darby, and it's awesome to see. Darby might be one of the the first people where we could say, hey, that's one of their home homegrown stars. So going forward, I just can't wait to see what they do with him because sky's the limit. And it's kind of like Keith Lee in NXT. Sooner or later, you're going to have to pull the trigger here. Like, he's losing every one of his big matches. He has to win a big match. Yeah, I found that really interesting. I I, I saw on uh, his, for his record, I think they listed last year, it was like six and six. Yeah. And then this year, it's like, one oh and six no. no no it's like one and two or something like that so it's like a losing yeah. record he he broke even last last year so again i agree with you is that at what point do we pull the trigger i don't think we're quite there yet no i'm not even talking about world champion but if they have if they do introduce a mid-card title i think darby would be perfect for that 
Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think they really should introduce. A oh new yeah, card I title. think it's coming. Like you have to. You have a whole roster of guys going for one belt. Like mid card titles are there to separate divisions, and I think that's coming. Yeah, and I think they have a lot of guys that are right in that range mm-hmm. for for a mid card, uh, uh, um, a mid title. Yeah, totally. That's where we'll get the good matches like uh, Orange Cassidy versus a Darby or a Darby yeah. versus a Jungle Boy or a Jungle Boy versus a um, Joey Janela. Like, or a Sammy G. Yeah, Sammy G. Um, we will see other guys come back I mean, like a uh, Jimmy Havoc we haven't seen in a while. Like, Yeah, there's many possibilities. Yeah. Many, many possibilities. So I, I definitely think it would it would be a huge benefit for AEW to have that, that mid-card title. Now, this whole show was amazing. Just want to give out some final thoughts here. Overall, I thought both shows were were great. Uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up one point back in NXT. Shotzi Blackheart came out with that tank, which was awesome. Mm -hmm. I thought, uh, well, I I said it in the last podcast that I really think that this girl's a star. I think that she's different and even different for her genre because she's like this punk metal-ish and, uh, you know, you got, you got girls like Rhea Ripley and you had Tony Storm. And uh, yet she still finds a way to be different. Yeah, I'll tell you this. She she was awesome. She came out on a tank. Eh, she came out on a tank, which was really cool. The only thing that I thought was she debuted that entrance a couple days too late. It would be nice to see her do that at the Royal Rumble when there's a much bigger audience watching her. Instead of her just running down the ramp. Yeah, if she came point. out riding in a tank at the Royal Rumble in a stadium... And while more people are watching that, it will made everybody say, yo, this girl's different. Who's this? And maybe tune into NXT to check out yeah. Shotzi Blackheart. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely, completely agree with that. Uh, the only thing is, I don't know if WWE would have been behind that, allowing her to do that. Mm-hmm. But she goes up to Vince. Vince, I'm coming out and saying, God damn it, I didn't hire <laughs> You ain't Rusev. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I just, I just think that there's a lot of markability. I think she is quite the talent yeah and i just think this girl is going I, to be a star and yeah. I, with probably the best women's division i i honestly think that the the opportunities for merch is yo that helmet that she has with the horns yeah, exactly you can have the toy tanks you can have a green wig like the yeah. opportunities for merch for her yeah and that's the thing and her awesome. green hair makes her stand out yeah you know what i mean and and like like i said before is that i really do believe that this is the best women's division in all of wrestling and it's not because of any one particular star. Mm-hmm. I think collectively, it's just a well-rounded women's wrestlers. You said the best division in all of wrestling. I'm going to go one step further and say this is the best women's division of all of space and time. You know what? You definitely have an argument there. Yes. Definitely have an argument there. Uh, sound like Matt Hardy there. <laughs> yes. But now I think it's time for us to give <laughs> who we thought won this week. Okay. So I'm not going to be corny like last time and say us fans. I'm yeah, actually yeah. No going more, to say no more, no more participation trophies. All right. Well, if you're going to twist my arm here, I really think that both shows were really good, and it was very hard for me to decide this week. AEW was phenomenal, but I think that NXT wins this week. The contract signing put it over the top for me. Um, I love the Dusty Classic Finals. I said that was my match of the week, and then on top of that, we also talked about um, Finn Balor. Him starting off the show versus Trent Seven was awesome. We also got to see Shotzi Blackheart. We've seen three women's division matches. And in NXT, the more women, the better. It's awesome. And then on top of that, we also talked about Dijakovic and uh, Damian Priest. It was just a stacked show. It felt like a takeover. 
How many times I'm going to say that every podcast? Oh, this had a takeover feel. Like it does. NXT. You know what? I think this week we're going to finally agree. Last oh. week we didn't. This week we do. I agree. NXT was probably the better show, but AW was very entertaining. I think they're on the right path. I like the continuum of the stories. Uh, Mox and Jericho's story still has me very interested. It's still well done. I think the story with MJF kind of having this gripe against the, the box was awesome and that it led to immediately him getting his revenge and tying into uh, the Butcher Blade and the Bunny. Uh, I also like this separation being continued with Hangman. Uh, we're seeing him being really smug to the Young Bucks and giving them the, the plate of the, um, the nameplates yeah. for the titles. You're going to need this in the future. Yeah. You know, I'm really curious. I really want to know where this is going to go. Because it seems like more and more he's getting more aggressive and kind of dividing them. And Omega's trying to be the, the peacemaker. And it's just very interesting. I don't mean to cut you off, but if we're going to do final thoughts, Omega should never wear a polo again. But next. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I agree. <laughs> I agree with that final thought. If you're going to take away anything from this podcast, take away the fact that Omega should not wear a polo. It doesn't look good on you, he bro. He went from the cleaner to golf player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he looks like he, he runs like a, a golf club. Anyway, uh, it was it was a really good show, but again, I think NXT was just the more complete show, and I think with that organic Champa Cole contract signing, like it just put it over the top for me. It really did. I, I mean, I was blown away, especially like I said with the way WWE in the past has handled contract signings, and we didn't even know about this. Yeah. And I think that was so special about this this card that they have is that there was so much to advertise that they didn't need to advertise that. Yeah. We had the, the, the number one contendership for the North American title. That was even advertised. We had Exactly, that was an advertised as well. We also had the Dusty Classic, which also leads to a number one contendership for the tag team titles. Mm-hmm. So there was, there was so much at stake for this show, and then you throw in organically a, a, a contract signing yeah. that was just done to perfection, in my yeah. opinion. I mean... It was so great. It, it was it was so organic to the point that that uh, Champa didn't even know where the fucking pen was when it came time yeah, to yeah, sign. Yeah. Like so. he he had it on the table, but he smashed Cole through the table. Yeah. <laughs> so it was so cool in every which way, and I just I love this show. I thought it was like a ten, and AEW was like a nine in my opinion. I thought yeah. they were both really good. I think it was even closer than that. I'd say AEW was a nine point five. Great show. I'm excited for next week. I'm excited as well. Tune in next week. Catch you then. From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Starring Maya Hawke as 26-year-old lead attorney, Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee, William H. Macy, as Supreme Court Justice, Harry Blackman. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. Listen to the podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. 
Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply.